Greetings, friends. It's Thursday, October 26th. We are back again, and uh, joining us, continuing his appearances this week, is David Roth. David, welcome. Hey, how are you? Uh, before we get into the, I mean, look, it's, it's October. You know what that means. The World Bible Championships are coming up. <laughs> you know why you listen to this show? To break down all the latest, hottest news and power rankings on this year's World Bible Championship contenders. I mean, so like, I, I got to say, just, I just got to get this off the top of my chest of the show. If you think Avner is taking it this year, you are out of your mind. All the Avner heads out there, if you think, if you think he's got any shot, you think he, uh, he has major weaknesses in Deuteronomy, Ezekiel, Book of Numbers. He's got major deficiencies there. We've all seen it. We're all aware of it. But the people still promoting Avner, I guess they do trust him in a big spot. When Avner's Avner, dog, I, I don't think he's got. I don't think he's got what it takes. When when Avner's Avner, he's Avigdor. Okay, but <laughs> I don't know, dog. I mean, <laughs> Avner, Avner blew them out with one Samuel, two Samuel. He ran into trouble with Deuteronomy, but we never got to see how 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 Caden Schwartz from Dallas, Texas. <laughs> Would do Deuteronomy. I think the refs, frankly, had it out for Avner Dog. <laughs> Always blaming the refs. You can't, you can't blame the refs. You can't blame the refs. One time. One time I want to see Avner not lose. One time. Do you trust him in a big spot? That's what I say. To the Avner, people saying Avner is the GOAT at Bible championships. Do you trust him in a big spot? He has shown nothing thus far that would give us, inspire any confidence in a postseason Bible championship situation. The free- I don't know, dog. He was in a big spot. And he keep in mind, he only knew half of the book. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot be a world Bible champion if you don't understand. Look, there are great Bible champions and there are immortal Bible champions. The immortal Bible champions, they understand the second part of the Bible. If you think you can win without knowing the second part of the Bible, you got another thing coming. This is really like, to be of a uh, Francesa clip where he's just there's because, you know, he's is an older guy and had uh, the show was like six hours by the end. And there's one where he's just counting. He like counts to 17 very slowly. And that's like the whole clips and being like one, two, got three, <laughs> four, four, five, I don't know, six. Like this is the idea of just killing time in the third hour of your sports and Bible radio show by being like Leviticus, obviously numbers, uh, Joshua. I always, I always thought about that with like radio guys, because it's like all the guys, like they make so much fucking money. Like you, you make like five to $15 million a year. Yeah. Like they get paid like number two or three starters on major league baseball. Yeah. to like sit, in a room that smells like diet Pepsi, but like they have to wake up at 3 a.m. Yeah. and do like seven hours of bullshit a day for 48 years. Yeah. It seems like, like such a bad life. Yeah. I think it's not possible to be, there's like two ways you can go. You can either get like the Jiminy Glick body type, which is like sort of where Francesa is, where you're just, <laughs> just completely ovoid, or it's like Skip Bayless, where you only eat like, some grilled chicken thing that you made on a Foreman grill. That's the only food you've consumed for 25 years. You have like (laughs) 0.75% body fat, which is somehow like dog is very svelte too. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Dog is dog. He's, he's trim. He's, he's playing tennis every weekend. Yeah. Dog, uh, skip Bayless. Who's that guy? The guy, Scott, something. Oh God. Yeah. No, not Scott Van Pelt. He was, I only know about him because he was like, Oh, he they was an him- I miss target or something, right? So Scott- he's I I sight unseen. Scott I know Mu- Scott Muni. Nah, Scott. Fuck. He. The only reason I know him is they gave him an interviewer's role at the Affliction MMA promotion. <laughs> uh, but he had like he had like that. Stuart he- Scott. No, no, no. no. R.I.P. <laughs> to the legend. Uh, but yeah, no. He just he had that like you know the secondary sports commentator uh, body type of gray alien what's hard it's also it's a, it's a weird job too because it's like you do just have to sit there and be an asshole for five hours which is something that the people that are at the top of the field they would be doing that anyway like it's not like my yeah. princessa would act any different if he had a job at like h&r block and like oyster bay long island it would be the same vibe and the same high-handedness but i remember when so after he I don't think he had actually left office yet. Chris Christie auditioned for a spot as like Francesca's replacement during. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yes, seven yes. 
And you'd think that Chris Christie would have what it takes because he's like, he are, again, you know, he's already got the body, right? You know, the fitness issues, they're all there. And then he, <laughs> he got on there and he just, he sucked. The callers hated him and his approval rating in New Jersey at that point was like in the teens. This was like post Fort Lee, post the whole thing. But he, even then, like a guy whose whole job is like being a blowhard and like standing behind a bunch of security guards and being like, oh yeah, real tough guy to like, a school teacher <laughs> like, even then like he couldn't talk about the jets in a way that people didn't hate so there's like clearly some art to it that is uh hard to parse from the outside yeah i thought like if like i had heard in like 2014 he was going to do that job i'd be like oh my god you know what a great second act for the governor right. because like do you remember during the debates when rand paul hit him for hugging obama and <laughs> and chris christie thundered back like I don't remember that hug, but you know what hugs I do remember? The hugs I gave on 9-11. <laughs> oh, man, that was so yeah. good. That was the hugs are, yeah. awesome. And it's like, <laughs> you know, if you just saw that, you'd be like, he'd be amazing. at this yep. stupid It also lets you know job. the caliber of competition that he's up against on a debate stage that like he can give it right back to Rand Paul like that. But if he's in a situation where like he's getting a phone call and it's like Jeff from Perth Amboy Ed from and, Poughkeepsie. Yeah. yeah. And that guy is like, I think you're an asshole and you did a bad job as governor. He's going to be like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Like that's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. that the few weeks he did that were an amazing report repository like it was like a sociologist dream because you got like uh, the greatest collection of tri-state area sports fans who are libs yeah i mean or even just i think at that point there was obviously there were a lot of them that were libs but i think like christy had hit that level very few uh politicians are ever like bad enough for their like entire term to get there where there's people that probably were like very conservative Jets fans that were like inclined yeah. to be like, well, you know, like I like the way he stood up to, you know, Newark, but I didn't like. <laughs> <laughs> but even they were so sick of his shit that they were like, you know what? I do actually have a question about like Chad Pennington's legacy, but I'm not going to ask <laughs> because this is the one chance I'm going to get to tell this guy to suck my dick. <laughs> well, uh. If anyone was confused by the uh, beginning of the show, we are referencing, of course, uh, Bibi Netanyahu's child, Avner, who was the third place winner of the 2010 World Bible Championship. And I mean, David, of course, was the second place winner. So, yeah. you know, I mean, it was, we've won, we've won honestly, up them in that regard. I can't say anything bad about Avner. I don't agree with him on every issue, but he came in there fit and ready to compete. <laughs> Where's the where was the uh, World Bible Championship held? Did they have that that was uh I'm, better I'm, be in Jerusalem. I'm I was looking <laughs> it up right now. The 2010 World Bible James Championship. James Dolan's sphere must be <laughs> yeah. this. It, it it is like this is such a fucking Rod and Todd thing. Yeah. The idea just the combination of words World Bible Championship has a real like season eight of the simpsons like they're just feeling themselves they can't miss from anywhere on the floor they're like yeah all right sure rod and todd are at the world bible championships that sounds like yeah. is this a okay 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 it um it was in kiryat shmona that's the traditional <laughs> israeli that, pronunciation no it's, it's in israel they have the world bible championships in israel it would be weird if you had it in like you know nevada yeah, the Kemper <laughs> yeah. Arena in St. Louis. Just sort of, it should yeah. happen in the Garden of Eden in Missouri, I mean. I would, well, yeah, I would just be like, the Bible um, didn't happen here. So is Avner the Netanyahu kid? Because there's a Groiper Netanyahu too, right? Is this the same yeah, kid? Yeah, no, Yair is the Groiper. Yair, oh, yes, Yair yeah. is the groiped up Netanyahu kid who, you remember a few years ago, he like went to a strip club with his like gross friend whose dad was like a, a you know a minister in the Netanyahu cabinet and was like, Bro, you have to pay for the lap dances because my dad got you that bribe. <laughs> it's like literally like that, like just openly saying it. God, so a Groiper and a World Bible Championship runner up to the runner up. What an astonishing <laughs> bronze. Like, it's like every nation, I guess, gets the version of Hunter Biden that it deserves. I just feel like it's like those are both more depressing visions than the guy that's like driving 170 miles an hour through Nevada late at night. <laughs> <laughs> You'll notice that Netanyahu never won any World Bible Championships. That's, of course, because he went to high school in Philadelphia with Reggie Jackson. Yep. <laughs> well, okay, well, that, that's, like, not his fault. That's like saying, oh, he didn't become an Olympian in, in, in wrestling. He grew up in Sweden. 
Yeah, they don't have a wrestling program there. They don't have a Bible, you know, an NCAA certified Bible program. Right. Yeah, it's a club in, club in Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah. Well, they've opened up. They've opened up the transfer portal to Bible athletes. You know, it's, yeah, ruined, it's, it's ruined like the, when, the love of the game. When people break down Bill Russell's old highlights. No, look here, he's playing against fucking plumbers. You know, all those guys. Like <laughs> 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 no, but. Uh, uh, I guess, like, uh, just the phrase "2010 World Bible Championship." I just, it's, <laughs> it's, it's going to be an intrusive thought probably until I die. I, I know that's the same for you, Felix. But like, this is now week three of the uh, Israeli uh, bombardment of Gaza, and and this is where we're at now. Uh, the, the, yeah, this is where the arg- this is where the arguments have have uh, like uh, this is what's left now is like, yeah. uh, sir, you're talking to a future U.S. Bible champion. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, no, they. You know, again, like I want to stress this. It is like amazing what we've seen in America amidst all the horror. Like I cannot say it enough how little I expected to really ever see this in my lifetime. Like thousands of people in fucking like San Antonio marching for Palestine and to see, you know, a majority of Americans are against sending weapons to Israel is also huge. But, you know, I want everyone to keep in mind, it's not yet like a overwhelming super majority right there's still a lot that has to be done it's still a very uphill battle but this is like the first adversity the lobby has faced that's quite like this maybe ever and like they seem to like have immediately folded it's like they didn't give up but they were like okay week two we need the big guns Floyd Mayweather and Amy Schumer. We need them. We need both of them out there. Week three. Do you realize that Avner won the bronze in the Bible championships? What was I the, got to, uh, the money teams, a special, like they had a specific response to this, like Floyd Mayweather's uh, communications aces were behind this. I didn't see that he had commented. <laughs> no, Floyd, Floyd made a post on his like personal Instagram. And he was like, I always stand with Israel as someone who has defended my right to exist. Oh, against, <laughs> against my wife but yeah no he's he's a big israel head i gotta i gotta sort of like i gotta thank dave for filling in this week but also say i'm sorry yeah you had to fill in on the show where it just it really feels like we are going to hell this week like we are yeah. entering hell this week and i just want to make i, I want to make a few a few things that i like just just over this past week felix you mentioned that week two was all about um, defending the indefensible or pretending that, like, actually they did something indefensible. This yeah. week, as that's become totally untenable, has just become about outright denial of what's yeah. happening in front of our eyes. And I just, just a few, a few, a few notes on that. We found out this week that Blinken told the Qatar, Anthony Blinken, our Secretary of State, told the Qatari government to, quote, tone down Al Jazeera's coverage of this conflict. The same day that we learned that, we found out that the entire family of Al Jazeera journalists, Wael Dada, sorry, Wael Dadu, were exterminated by Israel in what was very clearly a targeted attack as they were seeking refuge in South Gaza. He found out on air that his whole family was just assassinated, essentially. Okay. Also, it's like dozens of journalists have been killed now, too. Yeah. Right? It's like, and that is increasing in frequency and intensity as uh, along with everything. Uh, we have national yeah. security spokesman John Kirby uh, saying this. I wish that wasn't going to happen, but it is. It's going to happen, and that doesn't make it right. But that's unfortunately the nature of conflict. Mm. That was him on civilian deaths of Palestinians. And then to top it all off, you had a doddering and senile Biden just get wheeled out in front, on the world stage once again to address the global press. And what does he say? I, I don't have, like, I basically, I don't know if they're telling the truth about how many people are being killed. What they say to me is I have no notion that the Palestinians are telling the truth about how many people are killed. I'm sure innocents have been killed, and it's the price of waging a war. You just, just, just completely, um, once again, like, use the, U, the authority of the U.S. government to launder this ridiculous idea that the death tolls coming out of Gaza are inaccurate or overstated. We, we are truly entering the gates of hell right now. Yeah. He didn't even say I don't know. He said like these, you know, they uh, it's not accurate. They've had they've had trouble with telling the truth. Like muddying the waters, maybe it seemed like the health industry in Gaza is like a fucking Al Qaeda press office that just issues proclamations sight unseen. Biden has been around long enough. He was in government during cast led. He knows that the numbers they delivered then were accurate. He was there during uh 
during Protective Edge in 2014. He knows the exact same fucking thing. But yeah, no, like he does literally know better. This is, this is the exact quote. He says, I have no notion if the Palestinians are telling the truth. I'm sure innocents have been killed and it is the price of waging war. Israel should be incredibly careful to ensure they're going after the folks propagating this war. But it's like when Democrats start using the term folks, you know that like unspeakable <laughs> slaughters are, 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 are soon to come. It's about to be justified. Yeah, yeah that is sort of like conditional phrasing of the first bit too. like I have no I remembered it being like. I think this is like generally a, a good rule of thumb when politicians are talking. It's like when it starts to kind of um, take that level of passive voice that's basically like only otherwise found in police reports, you are in a bad spot. That the idea of like, I mean, he didn't, he can't quite say, although he is saying like they're making it up. But the like the idea that you are saying that in a way that is like somehow um, too cowardly to actually say it out loud somehow makes it more vile to me i just all of it feels i think we talked about this earlier in the week like both you know disgusting in form and content and yet also like so casual and offhand that i find it like more offensive for all of that like it is not like psychotic full-throated like social media hosbara stuff it is like straight ahead like just kind of an attempt to qualify this with language in the way that politicians do such that they'll stop getting asked about it yeah, yeah, no, that that really is it. Like, the full-throated Hasbara stuff is, it's just, like, bricking at an unprecedented right. fucking rate. But it, it's at a point where I am far more disgusted with, like, someone in a position of, like, near absolute power like that just not giving a shit. Right. Or, or, or uh, you know, the crooked media guy who wrote that blog that was, like, all right, like, this is bad, but, like, guys, we've seen genocide. This isn't, Biden isn't enabling a genocide. Like, there's something so fucking repulsive to me about doing that, pretty much going along with every Israeli government lie. Also, how is not, that not for bar? The, You're not actively abetting it? Right. It's the sort of thing, it's like, you're, he's observing it, he's aware of it. But I wouldn't right. say that he's, like, does he, he wishes like he could do know, something different. Say. Yeah, right. Okay. But it's like there, there's something like so repulsive about like propagating every Israeli government lie, not like in the pursuit of Zionism, not being like, OK, like this is rough, but like we we have to get rid of these people like it's the only way just so like Biden can have another shitty term. Yeah. Like just for the fucking Democratic Party. And, yeah. And like, you know, the, the the weight of public opinion is not on his side, certainly not in the Democratic Party. But I mean, like o overall national polls bear that out. But what, I think what you're seeing going on here, I mean, on, on the liberal side is they have come up with like the, you know, like QAnon people think Donald Trump is a white hat pedophile who like ingratiated himself to the Epstein network to, to like get dirt on all the bad people doing bad things. They all believe now that Joe Biden is like a white hat war criminal. That he is just he's merely like uh, doing this as, as, as part of his public facing uh, authority, but behind the scenes is working to constrain Israel, to which I got to say, I'd hate to see what them unconstrained looks like. Right. I hate yeah. to see what his full throated support of Israel would look like. And and like you're seeing this in, in Democrats and liberals yeah. and like Biden supporters as they begin to face the reality that like his reelection is, you know, circling the fucking toilet. They, they're all like if they had souls to begin with, they're rapidly just selling it off in front of your eyes right now because like there's this psychological like defense mechanism that we're seeing at play here right now where they're like they're good people and they believe themselves to be good people and all good people vote democratic so when the democratic president that you voted for does something unspeakably evil like basically genocide not, not basically it just engages in outright genocide denial as he gives full diplomatic and military cover to the army and government carrying it out they're like well that can't possibly be the case because if I, if I were a, if, like if I wouldn't be a good person if I supported this. So it has to be something else. So we're just seeing like whether it's the, the, this bargaining that's going on right now to just like to hold up any pretense in the, in the minds of these people that something other than what is very clearly happening is happening. I mean, it's just like the way that a lot of this stuff tends to sort of slip out of joint among people that talk about politics professionally. I think that like they can see that a thing is happening. I think I saw somewhere that Biden's approval rating among Democrats has gone down 11% in the last month, which is not what you want necessarily. But 
the idea, I think that this happens like sort of the further up you go into the, you know, heights of either academic distance or just sort of like that paraprofessional poll reader type level of talking about politics, where all of that gets sort of read as being like, all right, so the numbers are going down. Like, what's the matter with the voters? What are they doing? Like, what is what is wrong with our people who are reading the newspapers and how can we fix it? As opposed to like the idea that any of this reflects a response to a situation that is like pretty plainly legible on the ground doesn't somehow like penetrate the analysis at all. Like that this is sort of like it's all about like you got to have him say different things. You got to put him in a different shirt. You got to make sure that people know that he can stay up until 10 p.m. Like any of that shit is like. Maybe, you know, that might not hurt, but like, I think that sometimes you have to look at something like this and say that maybe getting up there and refusing to say that any of this really obviously wrong shit is wrong is uh, not helping. The perception is that Israel bombing every fucking bakery in, in Gaza, something that I've like never heard of anyone doing, that this is just like, this is like the weather, you know, this is like getting mad at a hurricane. They're just yeah. going to do it. And, you know, if you're taking this time to criticize uh, the guy who, um, you know, is the diplomatic head of American operations, someone who has enormous say on the material support that Israel receives, uh, you're just you're you're just trying to fuck everything up. And we have seen a proactive response to it. And it's like telling like Palestinian American voters and just anyone in general like uh, yeah good luck under trump i'm sure i'm sure he'll do good on this issue and I, that entire argument has been incredible because it's like yet yeah, that is the one issue where the differences between the party parties are most clear israel <laughs> yeah it's, all, it's always yeah. been that way always will be that way again Could of all not the things be more too, different that- that Biden is old enough to remember too. I mean, I think he knows how that shit worked like after, you know, whatever, 2004, 2002, that all of those attempts to sort of just be the more reasonable person or more reasonable sounding person saying the same crazy shit that the people you know to be crazy in the opposing party are saying, it not only does it not work, like it makes everybody that wants to support you upset. Like it is beyond any of the sort of like the spiritual cost of having to get up there and be like, well, I have no notion of whether they're telling the truth. Politically, it doesn't get you anything either. Like it just it's, yeah. a, it's a zero. Well, I mean, like it's it's always it's always like it's 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 always the theoretical thing, not the thing that's actually happening, right? So right. they're like, oh, well, you may not like Joe Biden because he's actively supporting a genocide, but guess what? Trump would do the same thing. It's just like then then why do I have to fear from Donald Trump being president? You know what I'm saying? Like, if Donald Trump being president means America becomes fascist, then look at what the fuck we are now. Like, I mean, like, <laughs> I, I don't know what to say about this. And like, I, you know, along similar thoughts, uh, I, like, I don't even following the whole like controversy, like the, the repeated litigation of the idea that chanting from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free is an incitement to genocide. And it's always the theoretical genocide, not the one that's like the one that will happen if we don't do the genocide we're actively doing now. And I think, like, Felix, you made a point about this, and I think it's a really important one. With the notion that, like, even the barest level of self-determination for Palestinians in the occupied territories would necessarily mean the genocide of all Jewish people living in Israel. That betrays, like, the deep-seated fear that if the people that you are abusing were ever given even an ounce of freedom, then they would do what you've been doing to them for the first time ever. Like, they would be able to do to you what you have been doing to them. And I think it's just, like, an open acknowledgement that these all these people understand how rotten israel is and what it really stands for and what it really is and then they're just they've just accepted it yeah yeah no it all whenever you see those uh anyone say that like from the river to the sea is a call for genocide of all jews in israel i recently did see someone say it is a call for genocide for all jews everywhere which is a first i've Mm. never seen that before but weirdly like i don't usually see it from like right-wing people like right wing people usually aren't really aware that it exists as like a protest chant. Someone who's ostensibly like left liberal would be more familiar with it. But, you know, it usually this usually comes out of people who are like squishy on this. You know, they're they're the types of people who see Netanyahu as an aberration in Israeli politics and not its most efficient expression. And someone who uh, every aspect of him 
will be replaced and replicated. But it's always for people like that who, like, in their hearts, they know what Israel society, Israeli society is. They know that, like, to the extent that there is an Israeli left and a peace movement, you know, there are venerable peace organizations and there are really principled people fighting for it who receive open death threats from the Israeli equivalent of Amy Klobuchar once a week and and like have the same purchase in the Nesset that Nambla would have opening openly lobbying the fucking house. They know that's a dead end. They know that it's completely far gone, that it is the most fucking right wing government on earth, like bar none. But if the, you know, if the call from the river to the sea, the sort of mainstream chant of the cause if that is genocidal, then, you know, hey, no, you know, uh, no one's hands are clean here. Every, everyone's calling for genocide. I don't. Yeah, I just don't know what to do. Netanyahu is bad, but this is bad. I'm just going to, you know, I'm I'm just going to walk away from it. That's an interesting point about this debate happening from basically like the center left leftward. And then just like the idea of like in all these like evangelical supporters of Israel just kind of like firing popcorn into their mouths and being like, I feel like the rapture could happen like pretty much any moment now. Yeah. Like that is like it's astonishingly grim, obviously, but it does also sort of explain how like this all got so warped. You know, that it's, like the was, idea that somehow like the liberal thing is that you somehow have to make common cause with a government that is, as you said, like, you know, not just like stridently right wing and eliminationist in a lot of it's like at this point now, like, you know, levels high up in the government or people that say shit that, you know, even 20 years ago, uh, only like weirdo Kahanists were saying outside of power that like, if that's the sort if that's the sort of thing where like, that is your common cause there, then like, you're going to wind up like, not just like passively supporting things that you would, you know, be surprised to find yourself report supporting based on your values. But like, I mean, again, if it's like liberals against lefties, like those people are less inclined to back off, I think even than reactionaries are. Well, because like, because of their like, uh, professed political commitments, like they, they have the, they have a moral burden to try to justify this. Whereas people on the right, they don't have to lie about any of this. They just simply get their popcorn out and just fucking get ready for the end times. Yeah. They love it. They don't have to defend Israel as the most moral army in the world. They know what they want. It's just it's it's liberals who have to pretend like, you know, the, the Democratic Party and then like their commitments or sympathy for Israel is they're the ones that have to justify it. So like these are the people saying, actually, there aren't thousands of children dead in Gaza or like also, you know, those. Hey, those statistics are a bit fishy. Hmm. Yeah. It's like most moral army in the world, too, or such like I mean, obviously, it's like a fucking cliche at this point. Like, I feel like I was hearing that in Hebrew school, you know, that they were like. Not just that they were the most effective and the most like best trained or whatever, and presumably also, you know, whatever the best groomed and, you know, like knew the most Old Testament facts and all that. But the idea that somehow this was like most moral army is like real end stage liberal sort of stuff, like playing the game the right way. It's just an absolute yeah. like beyond being loser shit. It's also like, what are you even like bragging about here exactly? Well, like it's just. I, I said this week, the idea that Israel, that, that Joe Biden is not openly supporting genocide is the last pretense available to these people. Because like none of these people are even arguing that what Israel is doing isn't a war crime or ethnic cleansing. They're like, oh, it's just not genocide. Yeah. And, you know, like, like it's just it, it, like nobody can say that they were lied to about this in 10 or 15 years when this is all over. Like nobody can say that they were lied to <laughs> like over this last week. There are no illusions left to be had. It's just this last one is the idea that, well, actually, Hamas, they, they, they actively tried to kill innocent civilians, whereas Israel is indeed killing thousands of, of civilians, including thousands of children. But they don't actually intend to do that when they drop bombs on Gaza. It's just right. a regrettable byproduct of their campaign of aerial bombardment. Right. And, you know, what would Israel have to do for one of those people to admit there is deliberate targeting of civilians? How many individual ambulances would they need to hit? Again, like fucking bakeries what is the rationale for that what is the military value of that what is the military value of like an a thousand year old fucking church yeah what is or, the military even, value of like picking the exact same targets that isis would pick in the exact same situation i mean it just feels like also i think there's this i mean again maybe this is progress that if, if we were talking about how this felt like 2002 
on Monday, and now we can talk about how it feels like fucking 2005 when like the initial pretenses of what any of this was about had like been sort of left behind. And at this point, it's like, well, you got to keep going. Like, I don't think that you could you can't argue that like being more brutal makes you more safe. We know that that's not true. It's not been true, you know, for any of the places that that's been tried. It's not helped any of the people that have done it. And yet, like, to be that completely out of ideas that you're just sort of being like, well, like, if they don't have food, then they'll die is, ugh. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. It's hard to know what to say about it. But I no, yeah, I, I I think you're right in that, like, uh, that is sort of like the, the last vestige of it. That is you, you backed into a corner. That is someone's last option. But this is like, OK, look, I know this is bad, but like this is the most practical thing. Right. That we 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 stand by them and like really think about that for a moment, because what we know now is that like even if you're just being cynical, well, there's no way they can keep up a fucking low, low casualty, low cost occupation on the Israeli side. That's fucking over. That's completely fucking over. Like they face enormous threats in every direction. Their army has completely collapsed in combat ability. They are alienating huge portions of the world. And this is a country that very, very, very much needs outside support to even survive. They, uh, during the Obama years, there was a push inside Israel to sort of decouple themselves from us from the U S and other foreign partners, because, you know, once a year, Obama would maybe mention something about settlements. Uh, and they, they wanted to just be sort of in autarky and, uh, not have anyone tell them what to do. And that's, they admit that's a pipe dream that cannot happen. This is not this is not a, going to be an easy or successful project to keep Israel in its current form forever. It's impossible. It's completely impossible without, you know, killing two million people. And I think everyone in our State Department is aware of that. And I think they've made their choice. And, yeah. you know, I mean, that, that sounds very dark. But like, I mean, there is no indication that any of this stuff is slowing down. Yeah. So. Not to, not to leave everyone on a note of absolute despair, I, I guess I would like to transition now uh, from stories, uh, a story about despair to a story about one man standing up. One man standing up in the face of the slings and arrows of the haters and the U.S. government and bringing, bringing inspiration, a, a, man, a hero that we need. I am, of course, talking about Long Island Republican George Santos. And the next time he tries to accost me with a child in my hand, I want him out of here. What He's an Because uh, the New York Republican Party is getting ready to oust him. They're getting ready to kick him out <laughs> of government, which I think is totally unfair and evil. I mean, if there's one guy who deserves to be in the U.S. government right now, it's George Santos. Yeah. And now this is like coming on the heels of like, in addition to all of the other absolutely ludicrous lies that he told. <laughs> Apparently, he's also just doing straight up credit card fraud. His support, to his support. Yeah, I mean, it's like and baby theft. Ba yeah. Okay. He would. He, he was had a great week. That was like a non consensual rental. He was going to return yeah. the baby. Do you know? Do you know what he said when they like the reporter asked him, "Is that yeah. your baby?" He said, "Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet." We don't know how this process works. I don't know how I'm going <laughs> to get this baby. But I'd, I'd say I'm I'm pretty much I have it tucked under my arm like a fucking football. I'd say that I'm pretty close to having this be my baby at this point. There's the a lot of advantages to rent to own. <laughs> <laughs> the idea that you can get um, that there's such a thing as being like excommunicated from Long Island is really inspiring to me. <laughs> that you can like get to the level where like even like the guy that like tried to get in a fight at Bagel Boss, they're like, you're not my mother guy, that he's just like, yeah. get him out of here. This is seriously too much. I can't have this guy around. It's really like, it's, it's nice to know that there's like always, you know, a, a bigger mountain to climb. Yeah, some sense of Long Island propriety, it is nice. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Like Greg, Opie Hughes, and Anthony Camilla, they come together to issue a condemnation. <laughs> What the establishment truly fears. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, and now, Felix, you bring up him uh, carrying that baby around and saying that it was not his yet. Um, that was in the middle of him having a temper tantrum uh, when a reporter asked him a question. 
Uh, there's news reports. I mean, like, there's all kinds. Of, it's just shit is flying now. People are saying he's not really gay. People are saying he has a sister that's hot. People that looks just like him, even though I mean, like, people are saying, there might not even be a real George Santos. It might, I, I don't even know what's going on anymore. But keep in mind, okay, like the baby thing. He was maybe he said not yet. Maybe he was seeking to adopt that baby to replace the niece that had been kidnapped by Chinese communists. Yes. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Every part of that's so good. I love the idea of like Chinese intelligence being like, how do we get to the American government? Who's the most powerful and most respected guy they yep. have? George Santos. <laughs> <laughs> get his fucking niece. Scotty Burberry fans, be aware. Yes. Yes. It feels like one of those things where he's, it's like an attempt to broadcast to the base in a certain way that story especially we're being like the chinese came to the playground and took this child it's like basically in a week or two if he hasn't been um jailed by then that he's gonna do the thing where there's like ladies that live like 30 miles outside of nashville and find like a zip tie on their car door and call the <laughs> yeah. FBI. Yeah. like he's at that level of kind of just sort of um being the main character of an extremely sprawling baroque paranoid fantasy uh, which is, I guess, like, again, you know, that's v- like constituent service, I guess, for a lot of people. But he's uh, maybe he's too good at it. So, yeah, he's currently under indictment for identity theft and credit card. Mm, now, is <laughs> that credit, that? Card, fraud, credit <laughs> yeah. card fraud? I just want to point out is like incredibly low rent. Yeah. It's an insanely low rent. You get crime. you get no respect in prison if you're in there for credit card fraud. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, I just want to read here because this this is truly great. It says uh, this week Grace Ashford, one of the Times reporters who broke the story of Santos's largely made up background, revealed that the New York congressman recently struck up a phone relationship with her. While describing the trials his family has been through in the last year, Santos shared a story about his young niece. "Quote: I'll give you one." I'll give you one story that nobody talks about, he replied, before telling me about how his five-year-old niece disappeared from a playground in Queens. Trad- traditional Long Island conversation opener. Here's another thing. And then you just... Here's something no one likes talking about. <laughs> no one likes to admit that my niece was taken by the Chinese. So, this is their, uh, yeah. His five-year-old niece disappeared from a playground in Queens, only to be located 40 minutes later on, on a surveillance camera with two Chinese men. He said the incident was the subject of an active police investigation, implying heavily that it might have been in retaliation for his vocal stance against the Chinese Communist Party. So you think it How was could China? It not be? Yeah. <laughs> so you think it was China? That's razor right there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, his, look, I don't want to go into like conspiracy theory. He said, but you know, mm. if the shoe fits, right? Qui bono? Qui yeah, bono? Yep. Who benefits from the taking of George Santos's niece for a half an hour? Colombo, you, you are not needed. <laughs> when do you think these phone calls are happening? Because that has a real like one fifty one a.m. Like I got another thing. Like sort of feeling yeah. to it. Like that is not. Uh, that conversation is not had during the daytime. Yeah, George Santos's phone calls have a quality that, like, I've previously only seen in Donald Trump, where, like, e- even a written statement, it's like someone, whoever composed this, was wearing a bathrobe while they did it. <laughs> yeah, he's, another uh, niece obliterated. Sad. <laughs> that's the uh, but, that's the real human cost of politics. People talk about it like it's just you know team blue and team red, but no one talks about it when the Chinese Communist Party <laughs> briefly redirects your niece from a playground because uh, you shook Ennis Cantor's hand in a picture or something like that. <laughs> this is, yeah, like, I guess this is like the politics of personal destruction people were talking about. It, like, <laughs> if you want to get into politics, make sure you have a niece to spare. Yeah, it's, it's like why people used to have like 12 kids. This, <laughs> is, a, this I, is something that would happen to Jax Teller. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> His niece was briefly taken to Ireland. Yeah. <laughs> uh, God bless George Santos, though. I mean, like, he, he is the politician we need right now. And by that, I mean someone guilty of credit card fraud and identity theft. I do. Okay. So, like, we're talking about Israeli politics. Everyone in the Neset is like this, but also if they were like, we need to kill every Arab infant. Like, there, it's like this, but then, like, once you're having fun, They'll just say something that Hitler said. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm going to miss Santos, I think, though. I feel like yeah. I, I've been through, like, I was, I got sick of him real fast. And then, like, at this point, 
now that we're sort of getting ready to say goodbye and playing the like, you know, in memoriam montage from the Oscars. And I'm thinking about like, do you remember the debate that he had on television in his district where he just repeated the answer that his opponent gave about what he liked to do in his time off? Yes. Just like right down to like the brand of ice cream that they enjoyed. (laughs) No one's doing it like him. Like nobody is going to be able to repeat that sort of performance. I think we should treasure it uh, before he is jailed for identity theft. (laughs) Yeah, it really Uh, will be sad. Now that uh, the next thing I want to bring up, uh, I I, I wanted to say for you, David, uh, uh, Felix, like, you know, you've been on this tip, too. So now that you're both here, I just have to bring up briefly how big a fan I am of the career or the, the posting career, brief as it may be, of one Lindy Yaccarino, CEO of X. <laughs> yeah. I, dude, dude, she is Lydia, uh, Megan Maloney's character from Party Down, if they made yeah. her a CEO. I <laughs> yes. love her. She's, I, she's I like no I agree with you Felix I hate Elon Musk so much for like I don't know uh you know mainstreaming Nazi propaganda because Linda Yaccarino has to do posts about hashtag fighting anti-semitism rather than hashtag watching sports yeah, yeah. love <laughs> yeah eight different emojis like yeah <laughs> it's like she is making these amazing posts it's like Chili, 18 different bowl emojis that you didn't know exist. You have to go through nine menus to find them. Is, is fun, but watch out for heartburn. Keep in mind that Tums are a great relief to this bad tummy problem. But then Elon will like, I don't know, like just like post child porn. Yeah. And she'll be yeah. like, X stands against the exploitation of children. It's so tough, too, because as a straight man character, she's so like she finds ways to not even like, you know, whatever, stepping on rakes, any of those things. Like she posted a picture of herself giving a thumbs up last night while everybody was reading about that terrible mass shooting in Lewiston, Maine. Yes, yes, yes. Never fucking right now. It just says video video calls fire emoji and it's her giving the thumbs up. Yeah, like think about how like now, especially like every fucking post on Twitter, it is either like the worst massacre, like the worst carnage and like human misery and death you've ever seen, like an 8K video of it, just like pure undeniable suffering or like Israeli politician being like, these are animals, we have to put them down or like a a Nazi, like sharing whatever manifesto for mass shooting. And then there's just Linda and she's like, watches are such an awesome way to tell time and also show off your personal style. I love you, Linda. Linda, uh, I'm just like, God, uh, she's, she's my favorite CEO. Yeah. And like, she, she, she's just like, she's going, she's bringing back the old style of posting. She's bringing back weird Twitter folks. Cause uh, you know, she's just like watching hashtag Bosch legacy. Like, yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the kind of post that we need. Yeah, like, and the level of emoji usage as well is like, obviously, you know, again, it's kind of canned. You expect it from a bad poster. As Felix said, there's ones in there where I'm like, am I going to get like a virus from looking at this? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. like just levels of janky, like homebrewed posting stuff. Like it's like a John Boy spit, basically. Yes. Like, yes all of his yeah. posts where he's kind of like, remember 2014? That was a year from earlier. In the You know, like, that is like yeah. the actual tenor at which she posts everything that she does. Or the, yeah. the ones where he'll post like an extremely low, low res PDF or something. And then just yep. be like interesting. And everyone's yep. just like, I think there's yeah. something wrong with the image. <laughs> yeah, 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 he still yeah. hasn't yeah. deleted it. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for her, it's like if you somehow like if you uh, like opened it up all the way, it is like, yeah, it's like the soup emoji that you can only use in Taiwan <laughs> that she somehow has access to. <laughs> David, I was like, those are exactly the kind of emojis that I'm like, what the fuck? Where did this come from? And it's like, uh, it, it's 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 all the emojis that like that are all very specific to Asian cultures. And I'm yep. just yes. like, I don't know where the fuck did they get these ones. Yeah, yeah, Linda, where did you get a cherry blossom emoji? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I love like she's such a. I don't. What's so great about her is like, what the fuck was she doing before this? Like, no one had ever heard of her. Like well, she had been, she had like, well, this is again, like she had like a very high ranking job at NBC where presumably she just did this. <laughs> so she was making like $850,000 a year and had five assistants and like would periodically come into work and be like, cake, it's what's for dessert. And they'd be like, thank you, Linda. <laughs> yeah, she, I, I don't know how she like got started 
on the corporate ladder. I don't know what amazing person like promoted her and got her on the fast track, but like, thank you. Yeah, I'm obsessed with her. The idea that like you could identify this quality on day one, like the way that you would like be like scouting a basketball game and she's out there like using like emojis that correspond to every ingredient in a classic bowl of ramen. And you're like, where did she get that? (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even know there was a fish cake emoji. She said this this person's got something. It was probably like it was probably like the natural or something like when she was at <laughs> she was like fucking when she was like Wonder working tweet. At, yeah, when she was like working at NBC as like a 32 year old like junior executive like 9-11 happens right and Linda probably sends a memo around the office and it's like reminder no one take an airplane today. Yep. <laughs> and someone was just like this is a great person. This is a mind that's different. Like, yeah. I, I wish she had going done, in different. I think that she was doing like marketing or stuff. I, I would have loved it if she was doing like create, like if she had come up with show ideas, like if there were memos there where she had just been like pushing for like, I think Snickers should have an hour long drama about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like any, any of the bad, like fall sweeps, uh, like Hail Mary's by NBC where yep. it's like, you know, uh, this, this woman's a, a career driven lawyer. But suddenly she's possessed by the spirit of Joan of Arc. That's 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 a like Linda joint. A Linda you know? yeah, executive yeah. producer, Linda Yaccarino. <laughs> yeah. There's a there's a new show on NBC just called The Irrational. And it's, it's about Jesse, Jesse Martin, Martin is from, like uh, a, yeah. a guy who solves crimes with irrationality or something. I don't know. There's another TV show on now just called Found. Do you know the story of Found, what's happening in that show? It's like a woman who was kidnapped years ago kidnaps the guy who kidnapped her and finds missing children with him yes. as like a, an evil kidnapper who's like, so, I'll, tell, I'll tell you how the kidnapper mind works. That it's, is, oh my God, that that show is going to be responsible for more deaths this year than like the <laughs> AR-15 itself. Yeah. That show, <laughs> so someone's mom is like just going to, she's going to read the sign wrong and just shoot up, shoot up. I don't know, a a check cashing place. Just going back to your parents' house in some like southwestern exurb and they've got like a big, well-appointed cage in their basement and they're like, it's something your mom is interested in. (laughs) (laughs) She wants to like find a sex offender and then grill him about stuff. I don't know. I don't like the time. (laughs) She lets me golf. I have my golf time and she has her time outfitting the well from Silence of the Lambs that she's building a lot of our listeners, you're going to like the younger ones. You guys are going to be fucking coming home from college and you're going to be there for Thanksgiving and you're going to hear like a weird sound in the basement. You're going to go down and there is going to be a guy there who your mom has set up exactly like Joe Pesci set the Irish guy up at casino. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. You stupid fuck. (laughs) <laughs> uh, they're like, they're like, they're like, uh, tell, tell me what neighborhood kid you kidnapped, and then he's like, fuck you, and he's just like, <laughs> Charlie M, and they're like, you made me pop your eye on head for that little piece like of shit, M. Charlie M, <laughs> fuck him, I don't care if he's gone. <laughs> Do you think that we're going to live long enough as a society for found moms to be discussed by Frank Luntz as like a winnable political demo? <laughs> like, in, like how do you like convince found moms that you're uh serious about this or uh, 2024 like- will be like the winning coalition will be the one that can muster the found moms and the irrational dads yep <laughs> yes dads that wear like sort of like overstated borsellino hats and use logic tricks to solve scams and then <laughs> yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then moms that have like the Buffalo Bill basement set up, but there's a sign that says like gather in cursive above the well or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, eat, pray, found. Yes. All right. Uh, the last thing I want to do today, I got, I got a reading series for you guys that is probably one of the most inane things I've ever read. And I think it'll be a nice a nice palate cleanser to all of the uh, unspeakable horror in the world. Yeah. I give you a uh, former head of the American Enterprise Institute, Arthur Brooks, writing in The Atlantic headline, I love candy, but does it make me happy? Now, you keep know, in mind, uh, if, if you're not aware of who Arthur Brooks is, uh, he's basically is the, for, the former head of the American Enterprise Institute, who has now rebranded himself 
as sort of a happiness thinker. He wants to be Linda so fucking bad. He stole her whole fucking flow. (laughs) Right. It's embarrassing. Also, the fact that he's using words instead of like a a tiny grainy image of like an ice cream sundae (laughs) embarrassing. Yeah. Try eating this. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I, there's something that that I find very touching about Arthur Brooks, who's you know previous guys, uh, you know pre- previous professional employment as the head of the Human Misery Project, right. is now telling us all how we can be happier. And one of the ways we can be happier, candy. I want candy. So this is <laughs> Arthur. Bro- I mean, like tr- try to imagine that this guy is is taken very seriously in Washington D.C. as like an important thinker. I love Halloween. It's not the costumes and parties and pumpkins. They're fun, but I don't care so much about any of that. What I love is being able to snack openly on candy corn, Necco wafers, and squirrel nut zippers without judgy looks from others. How the fuck did this guy pick the three worst candies in existence? That's an amazing maneuver there like it's been necco wafers is one of those deals where like there is no constituency for necco wafers nobody has eaten a fucking squirrel nut zipper since like aught six this guy of the 20th century this guy like did 9-11 he helped work on 9-11 and he's like there's only one day a year where my wife lets me eat tongues it's also funny that like of all the ways to like hang around for the rest of your life, like after you've like facilitated the various like war crimes and social decay that he's like made his signature over the first whatever 50 odd years of his life, that you can still just like fucking suck around to get a quarter million dollars a year from the Atlantic to be like in defense of candy corn. And like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, it, is, it is like it, it's the equivalent of like, you know, when like China would ha- they would like realize that they had a guy who. He participated in the Chinese Civil War. He's like 98 years old. And they're like, well, fuck, we like got to give that guy like a house and like a fucking pension and shit. <laughs> it, like, this is our equivalent of that. Yeah. The guy that like yeah, introduced the, the un- Kellogg, Brown and Root to Dick Cheney is now. Just- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The unpunished Iraq war criminal has some thoughts about how candy uh, can cheer up and brighten your day. Uh, so he goes, he goes, I, I he goes, uh, yeah. Candy corn Necco wafers and squirrel nut zippers without judgy looks from others. I can eat that stuff well into November and people will assume it was left over from the trick or treaters, but it won't be left over. It will be from treats I bought for myself and didn't share with the little ingrates at the door. Oh, speaking of uh, little ingrates at the door, a little birdie uh, uh, told me that uh, they went to college with this guy's son at uh, Princeton. And uh, his son, wouldn't you know it, is the, uh, I think, founder and president of an all-male uh, political group that exists to be against gay people and pornography. Fantastic. And they basically meet to just discuss gay people and pornography on a fairly, uh, you know, they're, they're one of, they're one of the a vibrant part of Princeton's social life. In a critical way. Like, so it's yeah. just like, it's not the sort of thing where the way that you yeah, might no, get yeah, together. They're, they're, very, they're against it. They're against yeah. it. Cool. Well, I, I was the head of a group that was neutral on both those things, right. but we still talked about it. <laughs> it was more of it was like a book group. Like we yeah. would all watch the same videos and then get together and be like, what did you think? Yeah, that uh, they're the only person I've uh, met who's like that is I remember in middle school, like uh, two kids I knew were making fun of each other. And one of them went, yeah, why don't you go home and watch Queer as Folk? And like every, every, everyone laughed, everyone laughed. But then the kid, the exact same kid who said it was like, I actually heard it's pretty good. <laughs> That's just like one of my Proustian memories. Some pretty like advanced parry there, too, where it's just sort of like, well, like you have no idea how stupid you sound. That show is like extremely good ensemble cast. But he was he was like parrying himself. Like the guy who was making fun of him was like, actually, like I'm, I'm joking, but it's actually a pretty good show. <laughs> It's like a 12 year old saying that. Got to respect it. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, b- back to uh, back to reading this from the diary of uh, Charles Whitmore. Um, since childhood, <laughs> I have had an insatiable sweet tooth. I blame my parents, specifically my father. According to scientists writing in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition in 2019, the perceptions of sweet, the perception of sweetness and intake of sugar are in part heritable traits. My dad used to keep candy stashed all over the house all year round. Sugar babies in the glove box, milk duds behind the cushions of the couch, Tootsie Rolls in the sock drawer. I am my father's son, and eating confectionery makes me happy. Okay, once again, it's passed from generation to generation, the love for the most abysmal candies that end up in your Halloween hall. Fucking milk duds, Tootsie Rolls, 
Tootsie Rolls will eat a fucking candle that tastes like, like a chocolate scented <laughs> candle is what eating a Tootsie Roll feels like. Also, yeah, milk, milk duds are like a punishment. Yeah. The idea also of like, where, the, where were the milk duds stored again? It's like someplace uh, hot. Just <laughs> b- behind the cushions of the couch. Right. That's so they melted. The fuck? They melted into like a just a, a wand, like a chewy brown wand of lower quality sugar. That's what he's like. That's his the reverie that he's having. He's like, I remember the time that I found what I thought was animal shit in the couch, and it turned out it was just my my dad's milk duds that he'd been hiding. Anyway, that memory makes me happy. Yeah, I, I remember staying up late to the sound of my father sobbing from the next room, and and just keeping myself up with little candy treats that I found under my bed. <laughs> Uh, so he says here, um, sugar really can improve mood, in part by soothing negative emotions. Researchers in the Journal of Appetite showed this in 2022 in an experiment in which participants were told something either emphatically negative or entirely neutral. The participants were then offered a highly sweetened beverage. The people in the negative condition drank nearly 40% more of it than those in the neutral group. Apparently, a great Fanta is just the ticket for when you learn you're going to die lonely and abandoned. When is he going to say a thing that anybody else likes? When is he going to name a single sweet <laughs> yeah. product? Yes. Yeah. It's, like, it's uh, also like, what the fuck is this bull? Like, yeah, yeah this, is, this is absolute like, drivel. Andy makes you happy. The one bit that I would okay. take issue with there, Felix, is that he certainly has an assistant that did the research for him. So there's somebody that's kind that, of worse. Yeah, like there's somebody that graduated from Yale like three years ago, and they got like an email from him at a weird time of day, and was like, "I need everything you've got on whether candy is good." Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is. It is literally like hiring an assistant to read like one fish, two fish for you. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Can you give me an executive summary of Pat the Bunny? I think it's going to work for my yeah. book. This is this is like the briefings that Reagan was getting towards the end. As <laughs> uh, so he says here. Uh, Despite the fact that my love of sweets is wired into my DNA, this year my family is urging me, no, hectoring me, to defy nature and resist my Halloween bender. They claim that this is for my own good. I believe this is because they hate when I'm happy. Calmly, fairly, and without flying into a rage, I have promised to look further into the scientific evidence on the matter. Does candy pass the cost-benefit test? Uh, This is the same analysis he did with, like, uh, whether it's worth it to kill a million Iraqis or not. To, like, keep control of Congress for two extra years. His family was, like, probably fine with that, but now they're kind of like, "This this is getting weird. You have no idea. Like, sugar babies are getting stuck in the vacuum cleaner. We have to replace it. If I was the editor for this piece... I would just, um, you know, I would sign off on it and be like, this is great. But I would just find, replace every candy with alcohol and every individual candy <laughs> with like just a type of alcohol. My family pleaded <laughs> with me. Van they got Weasel. a hotel room and lured me to it. And then all of them talked about how much my love of Smarties has hurt them. <laughs> I knew. <laughs> I, I, I'm skipping ahead because it's just, it, this is. I, unbelievable how many words are we talking here will is this like a solid it's it's, it's not that long all right it goes i just i'm going to read paragraphs like out of out of context here it says related to this heavy consumption a common belief has taken hold that eating a lot of sugar is bad for one's longevity my father who held a phd in biostatistics would say this will take about 4.3 minutes off my life as he as he poured a bag of jelly beans into his mouth in fact he did die quite young at 66 but the data on sugar and lifespan are not so straightforward. So, yeah, <laughs> his dad committed suicide by jelly beans. Jelly beans, which Dude. is because that's how Reagan uh, would have wanted him to go. Dude, this Necco wafer shit is serious. Be prepared to die behind it. Yeah. <laughs> also, the my idea dad of die for this. We talked about like the to be sure paragraph on Monday, too, where it's like when you're saying something really stupid, but you have like an editor, so you have to be like, to be sure, this could also destabilize the entire region. The idea of the to be sure paragraph being my dad died young because of how much candy he ate. Like, don't write the ball. Like, that's not a post you need to write. <laughs> well, uh, despite the fact that, um, you know, it robbed him of a relationship with his father. He says here, uh, research has also shown that consuming a lot of sugar is associated with compromised hippocampal function, impaired cognition and decision making and impairments in memory to which my dad would have responded. Yeah, but what about happiness right now? 
I'm not at all sure that if given the option of living to 90, but without circus peanuts, he would have made that. Circus <laughs> peanuts? Yeah, a, cl- a clown? Who's <laughs> that an elephant? <laughs> I was hoping you'd get another one in there because it's like, there's oh, only wait, so many bad candies kind of a candy. They're a kind of candy. They're another awful, awful, no, no, awful I, candy. I know they are. They say, yeah, like that's, it's worse than if he was eating literal circus peanuts. Like, it, yeah. it, <laughs> mate, was his dad kidnapped? <laughs> Because the mood enhancements from sweets are real. Experiments show, for example, that eating small amounts of chocolate has had an immediate positive effect, but in a very short-lived one. The chocoholics high researchers found wears off after a few minutes. Mm. One way to mm. interpret such findings is that the emotionally driven eating of sweets is not a good strategy to improve mood. An alternate interpretation, one I prefer, is that to maintain a steady sense of well-being, one could consider eating chocolate every three minutes. Discipline and commitment are important after all. And then just next, here's the, here's the to be sure paragraph, David. Joking aside, sugar addiction is a real issue. <laughs> oh, damn. That it's was just a like, it's, tight, it's that was a me, tight five. Wow. Yeah, it's insane to me that uh, a guy who like, yeah, did 9-11 and killed a million people in Iraq essentially has the same personality as Kathy. Yeah. yeah. Chocolate, yes. chocolate, chocolate, ack, ack, yep. ack. It, Hitting the haters with the two little sweat drops. Be like, boop, because it's uh, the <laughs> yeah. season. This real, like, it. Like he is, this is just like someone's dumbass, dumbass aunt. Where it's like, yeah, no, this definitely yeah, has he's the doing like, like a shitty joke about like how much he loves candy. He's like, oh, I guess I could eat it every three minutes, and then like, no, but seriously, it has uh, ruined something. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, this the, has the a really, it's like the perils of conservative comedy there too. That it's like this is just somebody who's very diseased at a spiritual level and therefore is kind of like, to the extent that they can make jokes, they're like, I remember my dad died. He choked on a Charleston chew in front of me. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't feel anything though. It was so funny. Anyways, something that I think he would have said in this situation, like, God damn. I get that's what like for conservative comedy. It's either like Nick DiPaolo being like, why can't we just kill gays? Like we used to (laughs) nuke them from orbit. I'm the first guy to say that. Yeah. Yeah. Blacks are always stupid, but like like that, or it's like this, whatever the fuck this is. It's a very grim profession, conservative yeah. comedy. Uh, the so, last paragraph is this. As for my own Halloween candy haul, I would like to thank my family for their concern, but I judge the issue not fully settled and needing several more years, even decades of studies to resolve. Now, please leave me alone and let me get on with my research. Like, this is the brain of, like, uh, the wacky secretary at the office who has, like, a hunky firefighter's calendar. Yeah. I mean, again, it's also, like, this is obviously not the the first example of this. It's nice to be reminded how high you can rise with like an absolutely replacement level intellect. Like this is, this person was like one of the more powerful people in DC. And like the thoughts that he had were basically, it was like the let's all go to the lobby dancing. <laughs> cartoon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was like, yeah, he, they were giving out like swastikas formed from black Eagle trust gold. And they were like, they're like attention. We are meeting with Himmler's hologram. To discuss, to discuss <laughs> Operation Bravo Alpha. And he, he closes his eyes and he just, you know, sugar, sugar, do, 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 do. Oh, honey, honey. Do, 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 do. He's, he's in the situation room about like, you know, like we've got to ship these depleted uranium cells to the Free Syrian Army. And then he's just sitting there like hands under the table, like dipping into a bag of like some repellent mint chocolate uh, yeah. like, gruel or something. Yeah, he's yeah. on the he's on his junior mints. This is yeah. where as a society, you could say that there's a bunch of ways in which like Arthur Brooks rising to a level of significance and power is like a failure but like what if he had just gotten if, if there was a way that there was like a skittles track in school where yeah. a kid like this <laughs> could have been like taught to pursue his passion instead of becoming a war guy if he'd just gone there and just been like testing green skittles to see like which one tastes the most like sour apple he could have done that his whole <laughs> life but that no like good arthur brooks is linda Yes, like if he, yes, he never got true. into war, he would be using all these fucked up emojis and like, you know, telling people like some sodas come in cans, but others come in bottles. Like it's <laughs> the same thing. I just this is it's like the perils of that Terry Rogier tweet about like Obama should have uh, hooped instead of killing people because he tall as <laughs> yeah, hell. Yeah, yeah. Like this is it could have gone one of two ways for Arthur Brooks, and we failed him. We we really did. Like this man should not have been like beating. Mangala's frozen head and accidentally spilling Dunkaroos on him. (laughs) 
I am I am astonished though that like in this entire article he managed to name five or six of the absolute D tier candies. Oh yeah. yeah, like the consensus like, like, ones. Not a, not a like, single mention of like uh like a Snickers, a Milky Way, a Twix, a yeah. Twix, a Reese's peanut butter cup. I mean now we're that's a that's a Halloween haul. But and also I did like in the first paragraph he's like I only like candy about Halloween, not children or parties or anything fun. Yeah, there's. I imagine that I, you see when you skipped over like four or five other instances yeah, of him being like, and a bunch of children dressed up as their favorite characters or whatever the <laughs> fuck came to my door, and I was like, "You gotta leave." <laughs> I am eating all of these dots straight out of the box, and I can't be bothered while that's happening. <laughs> this, this is the ice cream they give astronauts. No, I won't be giving you any. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad that. Uh, well, whatever. It's cool. It, does this? Um, is there a whole candy vertical at Atlantic, or are they just giving him a chance? To well, with Jeffrey Goldberg in charge, definitely. I was going to say, like, like Caitlin Flanagan, just like uh, waxing Didion esque on this sort of stuff. I feel like that would be a nice way to put those people into like a gentle semi retirement. You know, like just sort of be like, why don't you just write about something uh, that you like? Do you like pancakes, buddy? And then just like <laughs> turn them loose. Yeah, Jeffrey Goldberg. Here, here's the everlasting gobstopper that kept me occupied for hours while I was torturing Palestinian prisoners. <laughs> uh, well, uh, let's leave it there for today. Sure. <laughs> uh, David Roth. <laughs> David Roth, I want to thank you for uh, holding down our third mic on pretty much one of the worst weeks that I've yeah. ever been alive for. It was a pleasure <laughs> so, being with you. And um, I hope uh, that whoever has next week has a, a better week. <laughs> 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 you no, you no. were you were our Captain Spears this week. Yeah, absolutely. Not just because you know, of the David, people you, you killed. You came on and you said like <laughs> you you feel like shit because you still think there's hope. Yeah. And once you once you accept that there is no hope, then then we can function as a podcaster is supposed to. Yeah, it's a powerful lesson. And then and then you know you took the, I think today's episode was you taking the town of Foy. Yeah, <laughs> and now now like years from now you'll be able to beat up uh, Albrecht Speer in Spandau Prison. When you're the administrator. All right, guys. uh, I'm looking forward to that. (laughs) Until next time. (laughs) Bye bye. Thank you. (laughs) Bye. I know a guy who's tough but sweet.